Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, Hornsby Career Guide Post, and our new sponsors at the Hornsby RSL. Anthony the Bull Caruso here as we continue our feature discussions around the future of the NRL competition. And tonight, we have a massive one for you as we talk about the recent discussions around NRL expansion, a topic that has been going around since the days when the NRL went from a 2010 competition down to a 14-team competition, and now up to its current format of 16 teams. The recent TV rights deal shut down discussions around expansion initially, but that deal will be set to expire in the next couple of years, and with talks of a fourth team in Queensland already on the cars, it looks highly likely to occur. But the question is, what structure and where will the teams come from? For this, I've had to bring forward two of the best minds in rugby league to discuss this. To start with, it is a pleasure to have him back on the show after a long spell, and he is chomping at the bit to get into this. Please welcome back the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. Keith, good evening to you. It's a good evening to you as well, Anthony, and I can't say that I'm that much of an educated rugby league supporter, given that I haven't quit on West Tigers after Saturday night, but be that as it may, we'll just soldier on. Well, look, look, we we can all agree on one thing, and I think when we introduce our fellow panellists tonight, he'll probably agree with this as well. We all know that when anything goes wrong in regards to the West Tigers, it always gets back to blaming on Balmain. Uh, Well, they call it the eighth wonder of the world. I'd just call it a pretty useful place for, you know, a property redevelopment, but that's just me. <laughs> that laughing in the background, of course, can only be one person. Joining Keith tonight is someone who was on Splinters last week to talk about the issue around head trauma, and he is back to give his two cents worth. We love having him on the show, and he and I'm sure he loves joining us from as well from Hawkesbury FM. Please welcome back Nick Kutnyak. How does it feel, Anthony, that you're with two people that work in South Australia? One of them actually lives there. The other one pretends he's in Mount Gambier. Oh, mate, it's absolutely beautiful here at the moment. And, you know, it's an honour to have you two here covering, I think, two of the more important sides of South Australia. And I think, Keith, as well, past that aren't Port Piri. Well, Port Piri gets a bit of a bit of an interesting rap from certain websites, but uh, I can tell you that uh, Port Augusta's probably not too far behind. But Port, <laughs> Lincoln's, Port Lincoln is a very is a very picturesque place. Oh, very much so. Uh, the first part of the show will be to go about how the competition will be structured under expansion, while the second half of tonight's show will then go into which teams will fill the void for expansion to occur. This will be detailed, heated, and involve the best in critical thinking for rugby league. Something that a certain panellist on Fox Sports who thinks he's a Sharks fan is clearly incapable of. We have been looking forward to this. Let's get straight in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. <laughs> Thank you. 
So, there has been much debate over the current 16-team competition playing over 25 rounds. The biggest issue being that the competition can often take shape just based on the draw that comes out and who plays whom twice or once during the season. Instead of the competition going long enough that every team plays each other twice home and away. On top of that, the other debate is around how you fit representative matches into the schedule. And finally, we all know that the media companies would love to have the opportunity to present more matches of rugby league, but they are also conscious of what the competition can look like at certain stages of the season or the quality of the matches being presented at certain days of the week. Keith, I'll come to you first, and it's in regards to the importance of that draw that comes out at the start of the year and the fact that we don't have a home and away competition at, at this stage. You can often, as I said, you can often tell what the top eight can look like just by seeing what that draw looks like at the start of the season. Well, yes and no. It also depends on uh, a lot about how different teams recruit and how different teams prepare in the off-season because it's not about trying to make the top eight for a lot of teams when they put their requests into the NRL. And this is what we have to remember, is teams can request certain matches, certain matchups, and try and get a draw to make sure that they can maximise revenue, maximise gate takings. There's no coincidence when the Brisbane Broncos ask for the Gold Coast Titans home and away or the North Queensland Cowboys home and away. So it's really up to the clubs to try and figure out who they want to play and when in terms of maximising their revenue. So this idea of about um, maybe structuring the draw to make sure that certain teams have a certain chance to make the finals. I don't think that's a really fair assessment, but you're never going to get a rugby league competition that's got more than 14 teams in it having a proper home and away draw. And Nick, I come to you, and the other challenge that you have on the flip side is the influence of the media when it comes to rugby league at this stage. We all know how important that recent TV rights deal uh, was a couple of years ago, and with the next one set to occur when expansion is slated to occur in 2023, the say of media is going to play a crucial role in terms of what this expansion will look like. Well, it's a simple fix to the biggest problem we've got, and that is primetime Broncos. And this is one that I go to the good people in the Aussie rules land and Channel 7 and the way they look after their state's teams. Now, what they do with the Swans and GWS in Sydney is if they're playing, every game the Swans and Giants play is going to be on Channel 7. That may mean that you're taking a Fox broadcast and you miss one of the Channel 7 broadcasts. If it's a Richmond versus West Coast game, you probably miss it on a Saturday evening. But guess what? You get to watch your team in New South Wales because that's the way it should be. Now, if the NRL and Channel 9 had a brain and I'm sorry, I'm going very hard on this, a simple thing you would do, and it's pretty easy. I, I, I always thought this was a very easy thing to do. Pretty simple, easy. And that is, have the Broncos be on Channel 9 every week live in Brisbane. If that means that uh, it's a Saturday night game, so be it. But then again, the other thing that needs to be done, and I know we've been banging our heads for a long time about it, there must be a free-to-air game on Saturday night in, in, you know, in the rugby league country, in the rugby league areas, I should say, the rugby league states, there should be a prime time free to air game. Now, Fox has always been the one fighting against it because what do they want to not get touched? Super Saturday. And that is the reason why that for many years they lost that argument, Channel 9. A couple of years ago, they got the rights to broadcast the back end of the season. And guess what? They'd have decided in the last couple of years, no, 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 we don't want that anymore because uh, that was a way of uh, putting down the costs of the uh, TV rights. 
But the reality is that we need a three-day TV arrangement on a Saturday evening, and from there, have an agreement that in Melbourne and Brisbane, they can watch their teams play on free-to-air television, and if Fox want to put a complaint in, well, so be it. Like, at the end of the day, why should people in Brisbane be subjected to watch on a, say, Sunday afternoon, Dragons vs Bulldogs, when they can watch their Broncos team play against Newcastle in Newcastle. I think it, it makes a fair idea. Well, the, the, the problem with that is that you've got a time slot for every single game in the NRL. It's not a case of the AFL where games overlap. Every game in the NRL has a unique time slot, and there's no overlap between first-grade games. So that, that can cause a little bit, of a little bit of a drama in terms of trying to get that organised uh, between the media outlets. But I, I take the point, it's certainly not a bad idea. Well, there's one thing there, and, and the AFL hasn't got that much... Well, they don't do it as much now because uh, there's less crossover than there used to be 10 years ago. But I agree where you're coming from. But the simple fact is it needs to be done, even if it is a 4 o'clock replay of the Broncos game. And I know people go, oh, we don't want the replays coming back. But the reality is that we should be looking after the states as well. If we are to make this a national competition, and, and can I just say rugby league or the NRL has not been a national competition since 1998, uh, the first year of the NRL, because we've always just played on the East Coast since 1999. When you get rid of Adelaide, all of a sudden it becomes an East Coast league, and we'll get to that shortly. But the reality is that if we are to make a national competition, we need to look at how we structure the broadcast rights and then structure a draw. But you know what? I don't think it's ever going to work. Well, let's go into the structures to start off with, and we've got a couple of options um, set in stone here. But we are going to encourage our panellists to give their own thoughts on other structures that can work as well. The first one is obviously do nothing. Plain and simple, scupper the expansion altogether, keep the structure as it is. For mine, the pros of this is that you create a sense of stability. The price, you create the opportunity for the ARL Commission to continue a solid policy around consolidation. However, it does put it at odds in that you are going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to growth of the competition, especially against its main rival being AFL, who have already expanded to 18 teams, and there's further discussions about them expanding into Tasmania. There is also pressure from media outlets for more matches into the future. Gentlemen, I think we can agree to start off with here that standing still is not an option, and certainly our Lord and Saviour Peter Volandis has already said that standing still is not an option. Well, the problem with what Peter Volandis has said is... He's contradicting himself because he says standing still is not an option. That's great. So where are you going to expand into? Oh, we're going to Brisbane. Okay, where else? Oh, we're not going anywhere where there's not already rugby league heartland. We're not going to expand into alien territory. So that rules out Wellington. It rules out Perth. It rules out Adelaide. It rules out all number of places. So where can you go if it's not Brisbane? What, you're going to put a team permanently on the Sunshine Coast? They, they don't have the population base for it. So where else are you going to go? Central Coast. Well, we've been banging that drum for 20 years, quite literally, since the North Sydney Bears tried to move there. So where else is there? other than another Brisbane team, to leave us on 17 teams. There's got to be somewhere. You've got to go somewhere that's not traditional rugby league territory, because if you don't, then, what, we're going to put another team in Sydney? Yeah, good luck with that. Hey, we're missing one thing. We need a full-time team in Campbelltown. Uh, but, look, 
Being serious... Oh, don't, don't start. Don't, don't start me. I think we both agree. We, we've said it for a long time. Keith and I actually agree on this. This is something we've, we've only agreed on because everything else we disagree. But the, the interesting thing about that is that as much as Peter Volandis wants to say, oh, we can't go to non-rugby league heartlands, the reality is you need to grow. Now, I've always said... And it's pretty simple and, and probably a stupid thing to say in some respects, but I've always said that the only way to make a national competition is to take one place that hasn't been taken on a national level. And, okay, they may have a basketball team coming in and they may have a cricket side in the, the big bash competitions, but reality is somebody needs to take Tasmania. Now, okay, they play those Clayton games of Aussie rules there every year, North Melbourne and Hawthorne, believe it or not, on the same weekend in different parts of the state. But I've got the feeling that if somebody says, you're going to have a winter team playing here every second week, you get to support it, you get to love it, you get to nurture it, and we're going to give you at least 10 years minimum, all right, to make sure that this is going to grow. I tell you now... If you do that, Tasmania will jump onto it. But you also need to develop. That means uh, you have to probably go about three years before the NRL team plays. And that's at a minimum. I think probably you need to give maybe a couple more years. But from there, you start growing the love for rugby league in the Tasmanian area. Now, the, the state. You can do the same thing in WA. WA is a different story, though, because you've got a lot of expats that love rugby league that have to watch rugby union for many years because that's been the only rugby code over there. But you will get an audience, and it's also at a great time slot. We keep on reminding people about that in regards to television. But I think that is the option to go. And because now the NRL or the ARLC is not that stupid to do what they did in 1994 when they admitted the wrestling weds into the competition, when they put the reds in, the stupid thing that they did was basically give it to a consortium that said, Okay, we'll fly every team out here. They went bust within 12 months. Now, again, that was stupid, but at the time, the ARL did not go and, and do the finer details of working out what's going to work and what's not going to work. I think we need to go to Perth, or rugby league cannot be called a national competition. I say the same thing about Tasmania. Adelaide is, is a dicey one, because as much as I think I'd like to see a team in South Australia, and I think it can work... I just don't think they want to go back there because there's still a bit of, I don't know, I think there's a bit of um, sour blood to it from what happened in 97, 98, and it comes back from Super League. And again, I hate the reality that everything is going to come back to Super League, but it's just going to come back to Super League. Let's move on to option two that we have then, is to expand the competition to 18 teams and divide to three conferences of six which is following the, the pattern that Super Rugby was going down. This would mean you would play every team from your conference twice and a team from the other conference once each. You end up with 22 matches for the season per team, which is a reduction at the moment by three rounds. Finals could be decided by the two teams that finish top in each groups, plus the two best third-place teams as wild cards. Now... There is an advantage and disadvantage to this. You could allow for a regional competition to be set up within these groups. Logistics can then be managed uh, more easily for the season. The issue around playing teams once or twice is a lot more straightforward because everyone knows who they're going to be playing. There is no chopping and changing. Uh, the reduction by three rounds as well, which is one that Keith actually I know doesn't mind, also makes room for representing all-star style matches or a cup-style competition. However, there is a reduction in matches, 
which is a problem for the media, the structure of the finals format as well will, could result in a similar situation that you've got with Super Rugby at the month that had previously, which is where a weak conference could still end up with roughly the same representation as stronger conferences. And we've seen that recently, Keith, with the Australian conference in Super Rugby being an absolute dog's breakfast, while the New Zealand conference would be absolutely dominating, but still limited to only a certain number of teams. That's why you throw out the finals format and just have a straight top eight, no matter who plays who, the top eight best performed teams go through. And uh, I've been pushing that idea of the cup competition with you for years and Nick's very much across it as well. And the idea is that, okay, you've got your 22 games, you shut the club competition down after 11 weeks and you go into a six-week rep period where you play State of Origin every second week. And that allows those weekends in between to have a cup competition and then maybe the last weekend instead of the club competition, you go into your rep games for other uh, countries and then maybe women's games. You can even bring back city versus country and introduce a Queensland city country as well. Those are those options there that you have to work with because you are dedicating time to actually creating a structure that can work right around everywhere. And you've got to make sure that, okay, you're going to shut people up when they complain about the integrity of the club competition being compromised by Origin, but you also play Origin mid-year because I can tell you, having gone to that State of Origin game in Adelaide last year, the intensity just was not there. Matt Mears, the wise man, and I, we were at that game and it was just absolutely tragic, the lack of intensity in that game, and to think that there were Adelaide residents who had never seen a live game of rugby league before thought that was absolutely fantastic. Imagine what they're going to think when they see an actual state of origin game rather than what was basically a glorified club game. I think that's a fair point. And in everything you say there, Keith, I do agree with you. And it's a shame I don't have that uh, that coaster you gave me about eight years ago. I, I have to tell you the story, Anthony. So... Keith and I are having a debate like we did every Thursday night at the trivia night before the event or after the event, and he literally wrote his dossier on a coaster. Everything was on, I think, one or two coasters. And I wish and it, it made sense, didn't it? It, it did. I, I called you an idiot because I just didn't want to agree with you, but I, I think you make some fair points in regards to it. I, it has to be a straight-out top eight because clearly it didn't work in the Super Rugby and they only did that because they needed to give the Australian teams a leg up and, and some of the South African teams. The reality is that if we did this to a conference style in an 18-team competition, then we are going to have a lot of weak teams. And I say that because, and I know this is another issue, but I think if we go to 18 teams, we are going to have at least five to six weak teams. Now, I say that because, yes, there is players. We can get plenty of players from different competitions. That's not the issue. But it's the quality, and I think it's always going to be that cream rises to the top, the teams that have the money, usually, yep, the Roosters, they have the money. Melbourne, have the money. And then, you know, you can talk about other teams. Panthers, they have the juniors, and they're going to continue having the juniors. Parramatta might actually be able to uh, somehow have another great run and maybe win a grand final in the next 50 years. But the reality is... The reality- I think that's optimistic. Oh, look, I think 50 years is giving him uh, not enough time, to be honest. But I think we are going to have a lot of weak teams with this situation. The reality is the West Tigers, they're legless. The Dragons, legless. Uh, Canberra, they rely on POMs, and the reality is they're not going to have POMs for the next five years at a minimum. 
Uh, and you can go through Canterbury as well. Weak. Cronulla shouldn't even be in the competition to begin with. Uh, so, and Manly, well, they can't develop anything. They can't even develop Brookvale Oval. So that is the biggest issue. And, I, and I, I'm not going to apologise for what I said there because I know you've got a lot of Manly listeners on this program, but the reality is that they can't develop anything. And I think that's going to be the big issue. So it's great to say we need to have 18 teams, but we're going to have a lot of weak teams and we're going to have a lot of weak games of football every week. But I just want to pick up on that, the idea of having the weak teams. Are you going to have weak teams or are you going to have not enough coaching depth? Because I think that's what we're seeing at the moment is the lack of coaching depth at the top of the competition because you got Craig Bellamy and you got Trent Robinson who have put in place these systems and they get it and then you have a look at the next batch of coaches going down. Okay, you got someone like Michael Maguire who's won a comp, he clearly knows what he's on about and he's working with a team that just doesn't have the cattle. But when you look at some of these other teams that are in the competition, how far off the pace are they as far as talent and how far off the pace are they as far as being held back by their coaching at the moment. Because when you look at teams that are sort of there, thereabouts, you've got Cronulla. Okay, do they have the talent? Well, John Morris was starting to put some stuff together and then he got punted and then Josh Hannay came in and is he really a good coach? Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And then you look at some other teams that are floating around in the competition. Do they have good coaches as well? So I think it's as much a, a question of coaching depth as it is player talent. But don't forget as well, if you have weaker teams, that means they're not going to be able to defend as well and you're going to get more points scored and the NRL's always preaching about wanting to see more entertaining attacking football. Let's go to the next option that we've got and this is a further expansion out but it's going to be different structure altogether. So the further option then is to expand to 20 teams but you do what they do in the UK, have two divisions. Um, This would be made up of 10 teams, a full home and away format. It's 18 matches per team during the regular season but because it's two divisions you have the potential of a whole double the comp matches that you would normally have for the mini to actually be able to cover. The competition would then remain coupled with the option for promotion and relegation, which means you've actually got um, competitive matches all the way through the season potentially, with finals being possibly a top four or a top five. The pros of this, as we said, that promotion relegation battle almost becomes as big as the fight for the premiership and ensures you limit your dead matches during the season. The It's a golden opportunity for, as we said, the cup-style competition, which we'll talk to in a moment. However, the, the biggest issue that you have with this is the, I think, is going to be the right, the need to sell off the rights of the second division competition to make this viable, and it's unknown whether the governing body would be able to handle selling two competitions to the media itself. Not only that, the finals format for the first division competition would be incredibly short, a maximum of two rounds of finals before you get to the grand final. I'm sorry, but anybody who starts preaching promotion and relegation in Australian sport has some problems because Australian sport is just not bit, it's just not set up for promotion and relegation. American sport is not set up for promotion and relegation. And at the end of the day, are you really going to tell me, after all the effort that has been put in, after all the money and time and how vital it is to the the lifeblood and the 
um, ability to thrive for Queensland Rugby League that you're going to truly relegate the Brisbane Broncos? Okay, so let's let's make sure that only Sydney clubs are subject to relegation. Well, that provides a real incentive for the North Queensland Cowboys to get their act together. There's no room for promotion and relegation in Australian sport, particularly rugby league, and then particularly because you have the feeder system set up. This isn't a case of English soccer where or soccer anywhere around the world where all clubs are individual in their own rights. These are feeder teams. So what, you're going to have Newtown promoted to the NRL. What's that going to do to Cronulla? Are Cronulla going to set up a feeder agreement with the Brisbane Broncos if they get relegated? It's just not going to work. I don't think they would be a part of a rugby league feeder club. I don't think there will be any feeder clubs if we go down this track. I don't think we will because, as you mentioned, Keith, Australia is not equipped to understand promotion and relegation, we go down the track of we need to have grand finals. And again, that is the system we are a part of and that is a reality. We can't do anything about it. We've built this for a hundred and something years and it's the way it's going to be that we're not going to have this system. And I don't want to see promotion and relegation in rugby league because the reality is, and, and, and I hate to say this, but you will have the Dragons, the West Tigers and the Bulldogs never going up, or they wouldn't go up for at least 25 years, the way things are going at the moment. And, and that's the great, the great danger about this. You have this 20-team situation, whatever you want to have, and you have you know, a division of 10, division of 10, whatever it's going to be, and then the same two teams are going to go up, the same two teams are going to go down, and it's just going to change every single year. So I just don't think it's worth doing, because it's just going to be an exercise in pointlessness, and that's what is going to be. I, I look at all those options and, and, and re- realistically, I just don't think they're the best options. B is probably the best out of the three, but not by much. Anything where you can set up the cup competition to give Origin its sort of standalone period, but not an opportunity to make sure that Origin doesn't unduly impact on the regular club competition, I think that's where you've got to go. It's an interesting interesting discussion you've got there because I am, as you know, being someone who's also a football fan, um, I am a massive fan of promotion relegation. We do see in other competitions. But as you rightly point out, the point around rugby league competition is not whoever comes first in the league, which is where promotion relegation usually sets itself up from, but it is instead based around the grand final. And I'm so, a big, and, and, and Anthony, I'm a big fan of that last day of the year, every game at the same time, and you know you get excited to find out what's happening at one venue, then the other venue. It's one of the greatest things, and I can say I get emotionally aroused with it. But the reality is that's not how this country operates and we've just got to go by the fact that it's just not viable and and most of these options are not going to be viable because it's the way we've put the game in. The state of the game is in a position of flux because many, many years ago they couldn't work out what was the right way of going about it. We've all got these great ideas but it's all retrospect. It's all retrospect now and I think B is going to be the only option we can do. The others just are not going to fit the mould for the NRL as it is now. 
Now, before the other thing to... you've got to consider, just one more thing, is we've been talking about the role of the media in all this. The media and Channel 9 and Fox and whoever owns the rights, they're still going to want their content. So you've got to create a system whereby they get their content. So even though you're going to want to expand or, or contract or whatever you want to talk about, the media needs those games. And at the same time, you've got a players association for what it's worth at the moment complaining about the workload on players at the moment, so you're not going to be able to add too many more games to that workload. So you've basically got to work in terms of the number of games you're working with at the moment. That's your, um, I suppose, framework, and you have to stick with that. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to have a quick discussion about the cup format and then look at the potential teams for expansion. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Korean Guy Post and the Hornsby RSL. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountant, Hornsby Karingai Post and the Hornsby RSL and Keith Topolsky. We do have to thank in particular Atlas Chartered Accountants coming on board and your mate Sam Lee for supporting the show. Oh, he's an interesting character, Sam Lee, but yes, a great friend of the show and uh, a great friend of uh, meme generation, I suppose. Yeah, indeed, and uh, and one of the biggest fans of the Bulldogs you'll ever see. We won't hold that against him. <laughs> oh, I think he's ho- probably holding it against himself at the moment. <laughs> Hang on. No, no, it's, it's a fair point there. Let's get, before we get into the um, discussion around the teams themselves, Keith, you did mention this cup format competition. Just for the interest of our listeners, do you want to go through that very quickly? All right, so the basic premise is you would shut down the regular club competition for six weeks during the regular season. And what this means is that you give State of Origin the opportunity to be played over um, consecutive fortnights. So for week one, for weekend number one, you'd have no club competition but a cup competition which would be divided into a round robin format so for three weeks you have a round robin format where teams would play each other uh, in a cup competition so between weekend number one and weekend number two you would have origin one played between weekend three and four origin two and between weekends five and six origin number three Um, you would play three games of round robin Then you would set up, um, out of the four different groups, you would then have the top team in each group uh, play off, so Group A versus Group D, and so on and so forth. And then you'd have the second-place teams play off, the third-place teams play off, just one game, because the winners of the two um, tabletop matches would then advance to the main final. You used to call it the cup final in the World Sevens, for those who can actually remember back that far, and that's yeah. going to take us back quite a few years. So that's the idea of having the cup at the the pinnacle, if you like. And then for that last weekend, you would have your rep weekend. 
you wouldn't have Australia playing, obviously, but England could play New Zealand. You'd have the Pacific Island teams go around. You could have New South Wales city versus country as an opportunity for those guys that didn't play Origin to get to play some rep football at a higher level. Queensland could then introduce a city-country game. You can have all sorts of representative matches um, allowing teams to get those games in there to get some sort of rep football. The integrity of the club competition is not compromised. If people want to turn around and say, what about teams that lose players to injury during state of origin? Well, hey, you can lose them during your club competition as well. And if you still think that's going to impact the integrity of it, well, I can't really help you from there. So that is how the cup competition would work. The other key feature would be to take those cup games and play them outside areas that have and NRL presence. So in this situation, as an example, I would have no objection to Melbourne getting three quote-unquote home games. You play one in Ballarat, you play one in Bendigo, you play one in Wangaratta or Sale or Geelong or Portland or Warrnambool or something like that. New Zealand Warriors, their three quote-unquote home games. You get Dunedin, you get Christchurch, and you get Wellington. The North Queensland Cowboys, three quote-unquote home games, can go to Mount Isa, Mackay, Cairns, places like that. And then you go to really out-of-the-box type places. Nick speaks about Tasmanian expansion. I'm not, I'm not entirely on board, but there's no reason not to take a game to Hobart and one to Launceston with the cup competition as well. Then you can take games to Adelaide and Wyala and Kalgoorlie, Broome, all those sorts of places, and that's how you start spreading the word of the competition. Exactly right. And I know that you mentioned you're not a big fan of the Tasmanian idea, but at least then, if you're playing games there and starting to build some sort of cohesion and love for the game, you can start building upon, building upon, building upon. But there's other places you can go as well. So now you can have your Sydney teams that you can almost force them to play in regional areas. So that is going to be a great thing. So, for instance, you know, the Panthers, okay, great, they can stay in Bathurst. That's no problem there. Maybe you can look at somewhere else, but we've got to look at also the venue sizes as well, and I think... Bathurst is the best for them. Margie is what South Sydney is sort of looking at. I know the Dragons also look at that. But then South have also got Dubbo, so they might even go to Dubbo. The Dragons can always go down south even further. So they can look somewhere. I know now is not probably big enough, but you can look somewhere around there to start getting that build. Maybe, I don't know if you have a big ground there in Bega, but maybe even look at something of a Bega. But something like that would help for those areas, Newcastle, of course, can go to Tamworth. You can go to various places. But you have to get your Sydney and your provincial teams in Newcastle and St George Illawarra playing in the bush area. And I think that would be a great idea. And this cup idea, you can almost even play one or two feature games on a Wednesday or a Tuesday night just to get a bit of feel for it. And people can go back to the house in days of the Amco Cup, and, and there will be a lot of people there going, oh, that would be great to have a game on a Wednesday or Tuesday night, just for the sake of it. We don't have to, but we can look at that. And the other thing is, too, for Cup football, we can go and experiment this four quarters talk, because I know it's been a big discussion in the last couple of months with the way things are going in the game of rugby league, and I think the Cup is the perfect example where you can test it. Right. That, that's a very good point that you make about rule changes as well, is if you have a 
perspective rule change that you want to try out, whether it's a play the ball interpretation, whether it's different refereeing systems, whatever, that's when you have the opportunity to do it. And it's not just in dodgy end-of-year games that no one cares about. It's about games where the players are actually playing for something because those guys that are getting a game during the origin period when they normally wouldn't, that game means something to them. And that's the other thing is that these regional centres that don't get the competition games during the year, they're actually seeing players play for something. They're not just seeing them go through a glorified captain's run in a trial game. These games mean something, particularly if you really put enough prize money on offer. Let's go through the teams that have been listed or have shown some sort of interest in terms of joining a future NRL expansion competition. And the first one, and the biggest one that has come up now, uh, has now changed names. Uh, originally known as the Brisbane Bombers, they have now merged with the Western Corridor bid that was originally going to be based around Ipswich Toowoomba and have now referred to them as the Brisbane Jets. I think this is an absolute no-brainer. The Brisbane Bombers was always a pipe dream when you've got the Ipswich Jets that are already there. That Western Brisbane corridor is really starting to grow. Western Brisbane is not dissimilar to Western Sydney in the way that it's starting to grow. Granted, it's on a much smaller scale, but the same idea still prevails. And if you really want to grow the game, take it out of its heartland, which I know could be a bit of a problem. It depends on what, it depends on what the NRL wants. If the NRL wants to actually get more people involved, more people attending games, more people interested in the game, then it's the Brisbane Jets. But if they want to just cash in on an existing supporter base where it's anyone but the Broncos, then I think your next cab off the rank or your next two cabs off the rank will probably be your best bets. But if you're looking at more than just money, I think the Brisbane Jets is an absolute no-brainer. And you have to have a venue around there because... You can't afford to go, okay, you're playing at Lane Park. Now, that's great. You can have games every week at Lane Park. Beautiful and that sort of things. But then it takes the heart of having a team in that region. I know people go, but you want it to be Brisbane, you want it to be Brisbane. But you need to have a good ground in the West Brisbane area and everybody supporting it. And I think that's the only way it's going to work, in my opinion anyway. Uh, People will disagree with that, but I think... That's the way that we should be looking at doing it. And I think it is important to have a second Queensland team or a second Brisbane team to be exact. But we also need to be careful that what happens is we don't try to coattail to Brisbane on how it's going to work. I'll talk about the Brisbane Broncos because even though now the news limited stranglehold on the NRL is not as big as what it was years ago, they've still got a bit of a say. And you've got to be careful with it because... We know what happened to the South Queensland crushers, and I know that's a, a story we can talk about forever and ever. But the reality is they need to make sure that News Limited shut up and don't try to push their Brisbane Broncos pedal. And also, the QRL needs to pipe down as well, because the QRL, still, I don't know if they want to still control a team, but they would like to have an interest in it as well. We need to make sure that we don't have third parties involved so it actually is successful. On on that basis, just very quickly, Anthony, if you do want a little bit of an insight into exactly what happened with the South Queensland Crushers and the Brisbane Broncos from a rivalry perspective with Super League, um, we don't normally go around recommending other podcasts, but the Rugby League Digest would be an absolutely ideal one to listen to if you want a bit of a history on that South Queensland versus Brisbane slash QRL versus private ownership model. 
Michael has done so much work and, you know, I like Andy. He just comments on everything. But great podcast and it's actually recommended. But even just do your own research, do what I did and buy a subscription to newspapers.com and just read all the, the stories around it because the reality is that we need to make sure this second Brisbane team is actually successful because if it's not, then pretty much we're never going to do it again. It cannot be touched. And... We need to make sure this second Brisbane team is a goer. Because we've got a situation now, and I know you mentioned it before, Keith, that the Sunshine Coast is too small to have an NRL team. I do grant you that. But I will say one thing in regards to that. As much as it's a good point you raise, I've got the great feeling that if COVID situations don't get better and Melbourne start losing money being based in Melbourne it might be beneficial for them to make the move to the Sunshine Coast. Considering they've got an academy, considering they've got other things going there, the Sunshine Coast like the Sunshine Coast Lightning in the netball, I've just got the feeling that's going to be a case in a couple of years that they might even consider that option. The, the other thing we should point out before we move on to the next team, just very quickly, is of course there is one untapped resource that sits within that area, and that is actually... Australia's largest inland city in Toowoomba, which has actually been a pretty good breeding ground for rugby league players in its own right. Yeah, that's getting a little bit further afield from Ipswich, but if you do want to go out towards Toowoomba, then the ability is certainly there. The the population base doesn't exist out towards Toowoomba just yet, but if you want to think much longer term, uh, in the next 50 or 60 years, then that could be a goer, but I, I think that's a little bit optimistic to be thinking that far afield geographically just yet. Let's go to the next team that was has been mentioned in the past, and it is a team that could potentially cover the Sunshine Coast itself. It was originally discussed about being based around the Redcliffe Dolphins. They've got an absolute buckleload of money, the Dolphins, and it's probably not a bad idea from a financial perspective, but the question then becomes, who do you actually bring into the game who isn't already a supporter? You've got these people who will attend Brisbane games just to cheer against the Broncos because they hate them with a passion. It's the anti-factor, and if you're going to bring that team in, just as the next team that we're going to mention, who exactly do you bring to the game of rugby league as a new supporter? Not simply give existing people who love the game but hate the Brisbane Broncos a team of their own, but who do you bring in who's new, who's going to bring new friends to the game, who in turn will then bring their new friends to the game. If you're genuinely looking at growth and expansion and getting new people in, then this is not the option. If you want to cash in on an existing supporter base that is looking for an option to the Broncos, then I think this is the natural choice and the NRL's got to figure out what it wants. I think, and, you know, it's probably a very easy thing to say, but we can't afford to have Queensland Cup teams just going to the NRL. And I, and I say that because what will end up happening is you'll get your Queensland Cup base, but then, you know, you'll have the others that go, oh, I don't want to go for that team because they beat us in the Queensland Cup and there's a rivalry there. So then you've just blown an opportunity to actually have a proper second Brisbane team supporter-wise. So I just can't see a Queensland Cup side like a Redcliffe Dolphins being allowed in the competition and working. It's just not going to work from that side. 
That was the formula that happened with the Adelaide Crows in the AFL with the expansion because there were elements within the Sandfall that were just so determined to make sure that Port Adelaide did not get in that they decided instead of one blackbird in the Port Adelaide Magpie, they'd introduce a second blackbird in the Adelaide Crow and Port Adelaide never got on board with the Adelaide Crows because they felt gypped and they were just waiting for people to come in. So that was really just satisfying people that wanted their own team and that, I think is what would be happening if you had the Redcliffe Dolphins come in. There would just be a move to satisfy people who just didn't like the team that was there already. Let's go to, let's go to the next team, which is the third team based in that Brisbane area. It is based around the East Tigers from the Queensland Cup, and they've branded themselves the Brisbane Firehawks. Everything I just said about the Redcliffe Dolphins, repeat. I can't agree with you more there. I think that's a reality. We just can't do that. We, we've got to be smart how we do it. I know people will say, oh, but you introduce, introduce a new team. There's going to be no heart. There's going to be no soul. That's where you develop and create a heart and soul. Yeah, tell that's that to the North Queensland supporters. Yeah, well, they're trying. Let's go to the, speaking of the North Queensland supporters, let's go to the next option that's been mentioned in the past, a team based in Cairns. No, there's not enough people up there and this is the important thing to remember about the Cowboys at the moment is every home game they go asking the NRL, can we please have it on a Saturday night because it's a major money spinner for Townsville and people come from eight, ten hours drive away, stay in Townsville on the Saturday night, watch the Cowboys drive home on the Sunday. So whether the Cowboys play away on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday doesn't matter, but their home games must be on a Saturday night in order to get that supporter base through the door. Townsville is the main geographic centre in North Queensland. Cairns, it's just not sustainable. You can play a couple of games there, but if you've got a team in Townsville, you can't have a team in Cairns. It's just, ge- it's just economies of scale. I know that basketball did it for years and years and years, but basketball is a much smaller sport. They have much smaller crowds at much smaller stadiums. If the North Queensland Cowboys are based in Townsville, that's it. If they want to have a team in Cairns, then it's got to be the Cowboys moving. Let's go to the next team, an interesting one here, because we mentioned the old team, the Western Reds, that really became a victim because of the stupidity of the ARL back, way back when, and allowing them to uh, pay for the people to fly out to Perth. But there is a team now registered by a gentleman by the name of Tony Sage, the Perth Quackers. Well, I'll let Nick go first on this one, except to say who the hell came up with the Quokka name. <laughs> the Quokkas! What a stupid name! Every, look, they's doing the fail, just the face of the name. You're going Quokkas. Like, seriously, you can make so many jokes during a game. But, look, Perth, I, I keep on saying I, I want to see a team back in Perth. Because, as I keep on alluding to, expats, but also the fact is, there is, okay a rugby union stronghold there. But, realistically, the Western Force, they're a nothing. They are a nothing, and, you know, Rugby Australia hate Perth. Well, you know what, I, I probably shouldn't say that, but I haven't supported Perth for a long time. So you get a rugby league side, but with a proper business plan that's going to work and work well, then you're going to get the team going and firing. But I keep on saying, it needs to have a proper business plan. It's promoting the game in various places, but also getting into the Perth culture. They're a different breed. Uh, look at Mr. McGowan. 
very different breed. And you need to infiltrate and get into that mindset. And that's the way it's going to work. So, yes, great Tony Sage, of course, wants to, and he looks after Perth quite nicely, and he knows what to do from the, the glory point of view and all that. So, you know what? Let's look at this properly and, and get this going, because it needs to happen having a Perth team. But in saying that, we've got a big issue at the moment. As much as we like to say, oh, yes, we need to expand, we need to expand, there's going to be an issue with this whole COVID situation that's not going to go away within the next five years. So... As much as it's great to put this expansion chat to Perth, that's what's going to be the biggest problem because they're too far away. They're basically a country away. Putting Comrade McGowan aside, uh, not that I'm going to get all political at the moment about what's happening in WA, whoever thought the Perth Quackers or the West Coast Quackers was a good idea is kidding themselves because their junior rep team until the pandemic set in was called the West Coast Pirates. That is a perfectly suitable name and it's not a bad logo as well. They got a decent setup around a few different grounds in the Perth metro area. I do like the idea of a team in Perth and Nick and I actually agree on a second thing, not just the idea of the cup competition, but it is the perfect time slot. You get home, you you sit down and you say, okay, well, you don't want to watch the three o'clock game because you're out with the kids and that you've got your sport duties and your family duties, so you sit down for the 5.30 game, then you sit down for the 7.30 game, and then you have a nightcap with a 9.30 game in the eastern states, and that's 7.30 in Perth, and don't forget, Rugby Union has mastered this where the AFL has not, in that you actually cater to that time slot in the west so they get night football, because the AFL does not give the Perth teams, the West Coast and Fremantle, night football because it has to be in a time slot that is suitable to Melburnians. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point, but I will say on the counter, at least they do use that Twilight game to their favour in, in some respects. The other thing is too, we can have Friday night football in Perth and, and we can have two games on a Friday night some weeks, not every single week, but some weeks and it'll be okay. And, and that's the other thing is that you take those two time slots... Per, um, Friday and Saturday, Friday 6 o'clock and Saturday 3 o'clock, those are the absolute graveyard slots. The only team that wants those are the New Zealand Warriors because, once again, they're not actually in that time zone. It works out differently for them. So, all of a sudden, you're taking the graveyard time slots and if the New Zealand Warriors don't want them, then nobody wants them. And all of a sudden, you're creating a much better spectacle because it's going to be late-night football, which is much more appealing than trying to get home in time from work to catch the early game. Let's move on to the next team, a team that we've, that they've tried to get a team in there in the path, but they said they want their own team. It is the Central Coast. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'd love to see the Bears back in the comp, but it's been, what, 22 years. Okay, it's just not going to happen. I love you guys, and I'd love to see the Bears back, and I think what Manly did to you was a disaster. It was disgusting. Hey, but, hey, it was smart business from Manly's perspective. Oh, yeah, Let's well, remember it, that. Okay, Manly's perspective, smart business because they've got nothing. Uh, but the reality is a couple of things went the wrong way. They made a mistake in hindsight not going to Super League. The ARL or the NRL more so, they were very stringent on this uh, towards 2014 team situation. And as we know, that rain ruined their chance to go to the Central Coast Stadium in time. But 
Aside from that, I just don't think now a Central Coast team is going to work for a couple of reasons. A, Newcastle, even though the results are not overly great most weeks, but at least they've got supporters there every week. And reality is now, and you know, I'm going down the Gladys Billy Jicklin path, the Central Coast is basically Sydney now. Oh, look, it's an hour and 25 minutes in some parts of Sydney to get there. Some areas, it's even closer. So the reality is that as much as we'd love to see the Central Coast and the North Sydney Bears part of Rugby League again, it's just not going to happen. And as much as I want to say, stop wasting your money, I love the fact that you're at least trying. When Nick Politis eventually departs this world for the next, I think that's when you're going to see the Sydney Roosters relocate. Because even though they're going to have Mark Burris pulling the strings, I don't think Mark Burris is going to be able to play the rugby league political game the same way Nick Politis does. And having an endless bucket of cash will only get you so far. Nick Politis can play the game. That's why the Sydney Roosters still exist. Because let's face it, what per- purpose do the Sydney Roosters play in serving some sort of geographical need for the competition, in order to serve a junior base, in, in order to serve anything really apart from the ego of Nick Politis, and it's absolutely zero. There is no purpose to having the Sydney Roosters in the competition, and that's not to say that the Roosters don't deserve to be there, but they serve no strategic purpose. No one who lives in Bondi cares. Anybody who lives in Vaucluse thinks that rugby league is an absolutely brutal game played by savages, and they're better off playing marbles or something like that, something a bit more sophisticated, like tennis, or or rugby union is probably a bit too brutal for the people I'm thinking of. So you're looking (laughs) at a, a strategic move. Move, and I think a move to the Central Coast is exactly what will be on for the Sydney Roosters once Nick Politis departs the scene. And I think that would be a good thing. Okay, you'd like to see it be the Bears because they were there first, but unfortunately it rained and that means that everything's departed. So all of a sudden that one goes out the door. But there is room for the Central Coast, but it has to be a relocation. I'll say this just quickly. Uh, look, I love Stewie Moses, but I love the bagging as well. And the Moses family, uh, one thing they did wrong was sell a business to the Politis's because we've ended up with Nick Politis the way he is. So we're blaming the, Mor- we're blaming the uh, Moses's about what happened there. But look, the reality is that as much as the Central Coast would be nice to see, I just don't think the climate now will work. Let's, let's move on to a couple of other teams because we've already pretty much written off any new teams happening in Sydney or any teams being promoted from the New South Wales Cup. We've got a couple of other options that have, that have, we've got is going a bit more international and the three international teams that have been discussed and I will name them all three in one go. Papua New Guinea, the Wellington Orcas or Fiji. I hate to say this, but PNG and Fiji, the reason why I rule them out and, and again, I'm not trying to be rude about this, but they don't have the development and the cash that is required to have a successful system. Uh, forget about the, the COVID situation, the flying situation, whatever have you there. I just think that's going to be a terrible thing in the business side of things. It's great from the point of view of promoting the game of rugby league and putting that international flavour into it, but the reality is that money sells and it's not going to work, or money is what's needed. It's just not going to work having uh, that business going there because it's just really, you know what, up the wall. I'm sorry to say that, but that's reality. 
Papua New Guinea and Fiji can't provide enough money to pay for clean drinking water for their own populations. How are they going to be able to afford a rugby league team? The only reason that Fiji is playing in the New South Wales Ron Massey Cup at the moment is because of a massive grant from the Australian Federal Government as part of its diplomacy efforts with the Fijian government to make sure that I think it was Frank Bainey Marana didn't end up shacking up with the Chinese government and decided to play nice with the Australians. So that's the only reason that Fiji's playing in the Massey at the moment. Papua New Guinea, yeah, okay, it's always been a rugby league heartland, but you, you've got no infrastructure there. You, as Nick says, you've got no cash. They can't actually run their own government. Why are you getting them to fund a national rugby league? team that will not be a jobs generator. It makes absolutely no sense. The Wellington Orcas, whether it's going to be the Orcas or a different team, I can see expansion into Wellington because the New Zealand Warriors now have got their act together. For a long time they didn't. Now they're starting to think strategically rather than just have the New Zealand Warriors as someone's ego trip to try and make them feel good about themselves. Now they are starting to think as a rugby league organisation. I think the Mad Butcher has been a breath of fresh air. Ironically, yes, the Mad Butcher has brought some sanity to the New Zealand Warriors. It's been long overdue. I can see Wellington getting up, whether it's the Orcas bid or not. That just remains to be seen. The, or- the, final, thing, the final thing we'll discuss before we wrap it up with a minute left is if we look at the two the teams that we think is most likely to occur, we are assuming at this point we are, I think we're going to go to 18 teams. The lady on the there is the Brisbane Jets. Who is your favourite for other teams to come in? And if you go over the 18 teams, who gets dropped? I'll say this. I I go to Perth just for one reason and one reason alone. Brisbane obviously get in. Uh, The simple fact is if we go to New Zealand, I want the name of the NRL changed to the East Coast Rugby League because we need to look after the West Coast. Okay, we might not have a team in the middle of Australia. That can happen in 15 years from now. But... We need a team in the West. Television works perfectly, but I just think if you want to be called the National Rugby League, at least have a team that is not just based on the East Coast line of Australia. And obviously, uh, it is technically the West Coast of New Zealand, but you know what I mean. The reality is, let's not stick to the right, let's move left. And it has to happen. Well, putting aside my objections to moving left on pretty much anything, referring back to my political views, but if you're going to start with expansion, yes, you go to Brisbane first, you have the second Brisbane team, you go to Perth almost straight away, because as has been mentioned, the Western force is basically a spent force when it comes to rugby union. From there, I would probably be looking at Adelaide and Wellington to make it the 20 teams, and then... As I said before, once Nick Politis decides to depart the scene, take the opportunity to move the cent- to move the Sydney Roosters to the Central Coast. There's your 20 teams, and at the end of the day, when we're talking about national competitions and the AFL get to try and lord it over us rugby league people about how they have two teams in Perth and two teams in Adelaide, well, we're still the code that has a team in the national capital. So stick your national competition in the <laughs> AFL. Square up your you-know-where. Hold up, hold up, hold up. They've got a team called the GWS Giants. A team that's apparently Western Sydney. Western, Sy- Western Sydney is very big. I don't think it extends to Goulburn. They, they play in Canberra. That's the problem. And I've got a big issue with it. And it's something, and I'm just going to say this one thing. They're not a Western Sydney side. They never have been because they're based in Homebush. And that, to me, is not really 
West Sydney. Go back to Blacktown. Look after us or else. That's it. I've had enough. So, Keith, to you very quickly, if you go to 20 teams, who gets dropped? Uh, I wouldn't drop anybody because you can make, you can have those 20 teams and you can have a setup and you can have 19 games and you can still have a cup competition divided four into five and then you go from okay. there. So I don't think you need to drop any teams. I think you can make it a perfectly workable solution with the 20 teams. As I say, a second Brisbane side, Wellington, Adelaide, Perth, and move the central and move the Sydney Roosters to the central coast. And then, if you're looking at another team to relocate, as far as a strategic move goes, if you want to move them into another market, then I think your next two teams that you're looking at for strategic purposes would be Canterbury or Cronulla. Well, I agree with you here because I don't think there is enough. The reality is, I don't think that you'll be able to get rid of a team. Twenty teams will be the maximum. You're right about the 20 teams that will be in the competition in the next 10 years. The only thing is, if you are to see one team drop and to bring in another team, well, the reality is, whatever happens with Manly, and that's going to be the key thing, Manly and Cronulla are going to be the thing we need to watch in the next 10 years because when Manly don't have the pens and all that involved anymore, that's going to be a worry. Sharks, well, uh, this development, if it gets up, we keep on talking about this development, if it gets up or not, that's going to be the other thing. So that's a watch and act situation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full-time here on Splinters of what an episode it was. Plenty of heated discussion, a bit of an idea of where to go next when it comes to the NRL competition. Who knows what will happen when the competition is slated for potential expansion around 2023. Let's hope it is one of the options that's been discussed here tonight, and I hope that our Lord and Savior Peter Volandis was listening in tonight. I'd like to thank our two guests tonight, Keith Topolsky and Nick Kutnyak, for joining tonight. Uh, pleasure having you both here, and final thoughts before we wrap things up. First off to you, Keith. Well, I think the idea of a cup competition is a no-brainer when we're talking expansion and reformatting of the competition, and I think that's where you have to be, have to have your focus if you are going to expand the competition into the future. Hello. Your final thoughts. I was just going to say hello and welcome to the cup final between the Quokkas and the Orcas. Yes, the real... The Quokkas and the Orcas coming to you from Rooster Stadium in Gosford. Yeah, there you go. There you go, the Banks... Of uh, the great Central Coast. Ah, oh, how special that would be. It'll be live on Channel 10. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up soon on Splinters, we hope to have a very special show to preview this year's women NRL women's competition, which is expanding and will be starting in a few weeks' time. But until then, this has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, YouTube Music, Apple Store, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all. The Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karengai Post, and the Hornsby RSL. On behalf of Keith Topolsky and Nick Kudniak, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night.